Good morning. County supervisors have given county staff their marching orders for writing the first draft of next year's county budget, and that budget could come with a tax cut. For Thursday, January 4th, it's your Loudon Now Morning Minute. You and thousands of other people listen to the Morning Minute every day. It's trusted, it's personal, and you take it with you wherever you go. So if you've got a business, why not advertise on the Morning Minute and reach the thousands of people listening right alongside you wherever they are. Get in touch at loudonnow.com advertise or email us at sales at loudonnow.com. That's loudonnow.com advertise or sales at loudonnow.com. Thanks for being with us. I'm Rince Green. Supervisors have set county staff to work, aiming for a three and a half cent real estate tax cut for next fiscal year. In October, supervisors voted narrowly to instruct County Administrator Tim Hemstreet to prepare a first draft of the fiscal year 2019 budget at the equalized tax rate, or the tax rate at which the tax bill on the average home value stays the same dollar figure despite increasing property values on that, uh, on that property. They also directed him to give them options to increase the budget to one cent above that rate. At that time, real estate values across the county were expected to appreciate less than 1% from last year. That meant an equalized rate of $1.11 per $100 of assessed value. Let's uh, get into what that means. This year's real property tax rate is $1.12.5 per $100 of assessed value, or put differently, 1.125% of the value of real property. So the $1.11 tax rate in the parlance of county budgets is a penny and a half lower than the current rate. And county budget staff warned at the time that even at this year's tax rate, the county was facing an estimated shortfall of nearly $95 million for what it needs to pay for things like employee raises, growth in county departments, the first year of fixing the county's classification and compensation system, and an expected $100 million increase in the funding request from the school system as it prepares to grow enrollment by 2,000 students and open three new schools. At the equalized rate, the counties were expected to fall short by even more, $107 million. But the Commissioner of the Revenue has given the county some good news since then. Rather than less than 1% of growth, real estate values seem to have grown by about 3% this year. With the average price of a piece of property now more, the equalized rate is now $1.09, which is 3.5 cents lower than this year's rate. For some perspective, if you've got a $400,000 home, that's $140 difference between this year's tax rate and next year's equalized tax rate on your annual bill. With that and some unspent money from last year's budget going into next year's, the projected budget shortfall comes to only $44 million. Each penny on the tax rate will bring in about $8.2 million. So last night, supervisors voted to instruct Hemstreet to write a first draft of the budget at the equalized rate with options for things they could take in or out of the budget to increase or decrease the tax rate by one cent. In other words, about $8.2 million of spending in either direction. Dulles Supervisor Matt Letourneau likened it to having a hit list and cut list from the county administrator, telling the board what his top priorities are and what he would cut 
if he had to choose. After Hemstreet introduces his proposed budget in February, the board will spend March deciding what they want to put into it or take out of it. Chair Phyllis Randall did not support this idea. She said she couldn't support a proposal that leaves a large gap in the funding request from the schools. Right now, the equalized rate is estimated to fall about $39 million short of what the schools are expected to request, but that is a very preliminary figure. The school board hasn't even voted on a budget request from the county. In fact, the superintendent won't even unveil the first draft of the school budget until next Tuesday. Anyway, supervisors approved the budget guidance for Mr. Hemstreet 5-2, with Randall and Supervisor Coran Sains opposed, and Supervisors Suzanne Volpe and Kristen Umstadt absent from the meeting. I realize that was a lot of numbers. Go to loudnow.com slash morning minute to check out the whole story. In other news, the woman who pled guilty to three felony charges after her friend died in a Leesburg hotel room after a night of heavy drinking and heroin has been sentenced to four years in prison. Heather Nicole Timbers, a 29-year-old mother of two, pled guilty last year to involuntary manslaughter, distribution of heroin as an accommodation, and possession of heroin in the death of DeWitt Talmadge Black IV. It was a landmark conviction for county prosecutors. It's rare that prosecutors are able to hold drug suppliers accountable for fatal overdoses. Black grew up in the Hamilton area, was a guitarist in the metal band Yesterday's Saints, and by all accounts had never used heroin before. But on September 29th of 2016, he invited Timbers, his friend of 14 years, to the Clarion Hotel in Leesburg. He had a 12-pack of beer and a bottle of Jägermeister. Over the course of the evening, she called a drug dealer and bought heroin. She cut two lines in the bathroom. She'd been a drug user since she was 12 years old. She snorted one line, he snorted the other. Afterward, Black went outside to smoke a cigarette but collapsed in the hotel stairwell. Timbers spent 40 minutes trying to carry him back to the room. Once there, she went to bed. She woke up around 6.30 in the morning to find him on the floor and unresponsive. She said she thought he was ignoring her on purpose. She finally made a call to 911 just after 8 a.m. He was already dead. Dozens of his family members and friends were in the courtroom yesterday to share their stories and hear the sentencing. They still have two questions. Why did Black, who detested drug use, try heroin? And what would have happened if Timbers called for help hours before? Both of these questions will have to go unanswered. Because of Timber's lack of prior criminal history and the fact that she was charged with sharing drugs with a friend rather than as a dealer, Virginia's sentencing guidelines recommended she spend no more than six months in jail. But Judge Douglas Fleming, who'd watched 41 minutes of video surveillance footage that showed Timber's trying to carry Black back to their hotel room, said the hours that passed between his collapse and her calling 911 was the driving factor in giving her a much higher sentence. In fact, he sentenced her to 12 years in total, with eight years suspended and waived if she lives crime-free after her release. While we're doing sad news, Loudon Rhodes claimed one last victim on the last day of 2017. A 66-year-old man from Aldi was killed the morning of December 31st when he was struck by a vehicle while walking along Loudon County Parkway near Dulles West Boulevard, according to the sheriff's office. The preliminary investigation indicates that Muhammad S. Khalid was walking south when he was struck by a southbound vehicle and died at the scene. The driver stayed on the scene and called 911. Opoku Atuhene of Manassas was arrested and charged with involuntary manslaughter and driving under the influence. Mr. Khalid was the 22nd person and the second pedestrian killed on Loudon Roads in 2017. 
And if you've got things to say to your representatives in the state legislature, most of the Loudoun delegation to the Virginia General Assembly will be at a public hearing this Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. The hearing will be at the boardroom at the County Government Center in Leesburg. As of Tuesday, nine of Loudoun's 11 state representatives were attending. Those are Senators Richard Black, Barbara Favola, and Jennifer Wexton, Delegates Kathleen Murphy, Jennifer Boisco, and John Bell, and Delegates-elect Wendy Goditis, David Reed, and Carrie Delaney. To speak, fill out a request online by 10 a.m. on Sunday to get a place on the list. You can find that on Facebook. You can also call 703-672-3696 or email district33 at senate.virginia.gov before noon to get on the list. The first 75 people to sign up are guaranteed a speaking slot. And don't worry if you missed that contact information. It's all in the story on our website. You'll have up to two and a half minutes to speak. If you represent a group, you'll have up to five minutes. Get the full story on this and all these stories over at loudonnow.com. On today's calendar, The Horse and the Camera, an exhibition of work from 1870 to 1960, is on display at the National Sporting Library and Museum in Middleburg. It's open from Wednesday to Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Yes, I did say that yesterday. It's a quiet week. Get the details on this event and check out the rest of the event's calendar at getoutloudon.com. And if you like The Morning Minute, compose an original song to tell all your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and it'll be waiting for you there every morning. Okay. Have a great day. It has recently been pointed out to me that through a gross oversight of my own, Morning Minute is not listed with TuneIn, which means you can't listen to it on your Amazon Alexa. But fear not, I'm in the middle of fixing that right now. And uh, if there is any other service or place that you would like to listen to this podcast and you're not able to, just let me know, shoot me an email or find me on Twitter, and I will gladly try to get it added. Okay, uh, that's it. Have a great day.